Hello and welcome to the 114th FIS Freight and Commodity Podcast, the second one this year, on Wednesday, 18th January. I'm Mopani and I'm your host. I'm here to bring you guests who update you on the commodity complex. Of course, you can also stay up to date with our daily commentary and weekly analysis on everything going on by signing up for our app, FIS Live. And you can also follow our Twitter page, at Freight Investor, or find us on LinkedIn. This year, we aim to provide you with more frequent episodes, more consistently, with more guests, and have a wider range of conversations related to the freight and commodity world. I would like to thank you to all of those who follow us. Uh, You give us feedback and you give us ideas. We really appreciate that. And we would welcome those of you who are new and just joining us to do that as well. Last week, we kicked off the year with a record-breaking episode. Most downloads in the first day to date. Uh, It was featuring our CEO and founder, John B., who talked to us about the FFA market in 2022 and looking ahead to 2023. If you haven't listened to it, I would strongly recommend you do so. It is episode 113, uh, released on Wednesday, the 11th of January. You can also watch it on, uh, I say watch, you can listen to it on Spotify, iTunes, and our SoundCloud plugin on our website. This week, we're going to focus on the oil markets, what's happened in 2022, and a look ahead to 2023, and of course, a weekly update on the freight world and Ferris Complex. We're joined by Ricky Foreman on the Fuel Oil Desk today. How are you doing, Ricky? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you, Mo. You okay? Yeah, I'm good. Is it too late to say Happy New Year? Yeah, it's never too late, isn't it? <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> and to you, my man. Yeah, so, uh, Rick is here uh, to talk to us about what's going on in the fuel oil markets. Um, I know fuel oil, uh, well, the crude oil market essentially with Brent, has sort of ranged around seventy nine eighty five uh, over the last month or two. Um, but before we get to that and the ins and outs, you're just going to give us a summary, I believe, of what happened in 2022 and what you think about 2023. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, um, 2022 was a very, very volatile year. Um, I think we had a range roughly of around $64 a barrel between the lows and the highs. Um, lows trading around the $75 with the highs pushing to $139 a barrel. The biggest impact from um, last year, without a shadow of a doubt, is obviously the Russian invasion. Um, It pushed the market well over the $100. Um, Obviously, the invasion happened towards the end of February, so it it was the beginning of the year, and it really kind of set the tone for the volatility throughout the whole of 2022. Um, up and down, obviously, but predominantly strong until we saw sanctions coming in from Europe. Um, obviously, this kind of forced uh, Russia's hand a little bit, which in turn um, meant that we saw record high gas prices. Um, that then had the uh, led to the cost of living crisis um, for you know m- most uh, most of the European country and 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 the UK. Um, inflation. 10%, 11% in, in particular months, um, which then obviously led the uh, Europe and the West to impose further sanctions on the Russian oil, which came into force on the 5th of December, which put a price cap on which, um, you know, the Russians could actually sell their oil. 
Um, interesting to, interestingly to say that the um, additional sanctions for Russia on the refined products uh, are actually coming in on the 5th of Feb this year. So we haven't seen the full implications of the sanctions yet. Um, hence, they're ongoing. So again, it's just going to add and fuel to the volatility. Russian war obviously had a massive impact um, with the US as well. We saw them having to pull pull their reserves uh, from the SPR. Um, they drew down roughly around 200 million barrels um, over the course of last year, and that left their reserves at the lowest point since 1984. So big, uh, big impact, impact there. Mm. Um, the other main one for, for last year was obviously China and COVID. So uh, very severe restrictions throughout the year. Um, interestingly to know um, that China's refinery output actually dropped for the first time last year, and the first time it's dropped in over 20 years. Mm. Um, this obviously might have had some kind of impact into the Chinese uh, um, lifting their restrictions, which again we saw in December. Obviously, immediately once they lifted the restrictions, we saw an increased um, rate of COVID infection, knock-on impact of demand. Um, and my personal concern, obviously, as we head now going into Chinese New Year at the end of Jan, um, is basically, are we going to see these infections um, to blow out again and then impact the demand for, for, for February onwards? Um, because it's my understanding that um, the Chinese government haven't put any restrictions in place regarding um, Chinese New Year and travel. So I think, you know, we don't know yet, but it's a wait and see. Um, but I think it would be reasonable to expect to see potentially a second wave of infection in China in February as a result of all of the um, travel happening because of the Chinese New Year. And uh, just an interesting point there. Have we? Do you? See, I've asked this with the Ferris Complex as well. Have we seen anything to suggest in the data or markets uh, that the market thinks it will be different this time? Because last year we had a lot of restrictions lifting and reduction. Any perspective from the market side that they think this is just another lifting of restrictions and going back? Um, I th I think initially when the um restrictions were announced that they, they were going to be lifted i mean that has a that has a big impact on sentiment of the market so initially we do see uh, an uptick um because obviously psychologically the market feels as though there is going to be better demand right because in terms of manufacturing people get into the offices people get into the ports um so it does have a big play on on the sentiment um i mean offset that against the actual COVID infection rate, um, you know, we can only monitor those numbers that are coming out of China. The only thing I can say is that those numbers might not always be as accurate as what they could be. Um, but in terms of announcement restriction, it does have a it does have a positive sentiment on the uh, on the market, and we have we have seen the market react to that. Um, leading on to that, actually, um, in terms of the GDP for for China. Um, it was positive. Um, their target was five five and a half percent for last year, um, but they they only managed to hit um, uh, around three percent. So the GDP growth was a couple of percentage points lower than expected, but it was still 
in positive territory. And I think with for the majority of the year having the COVID restrictions restrictions in place, um, I would interpret that as still quite a um, quite a bullish number. I think the only caveat with that is that globally, I think it's quite um, you know obvious and, and well spoken about that we are expected to head into a recession at some point in 2023. Um, as a result of that, the, the major banks and investment houses have all, all revised down their, their oil forecasts. Um, and we have seen that reflected a little bit in the euro crack spread, which was actually trading in negative territory for the first time since inception, basically. We've started to see that claw back a little bit as we've as we've gone through uh, January, um, but I think that negative euro crack spread was was a key um, indicator of the concerns around the market of the impact of potential demand going going forward. But like I say, um, you know, two weeks into the new year, it has started to stabilise, and we are now back trading in, into positive territory. So. A mixed bag, like always. Um, always various factors in the mix uh, for 2023. Um, I wish I had a crystal ball <laughs> to tell you where it was going. Um, I don't, unfortunately. But um, there are definitely a few key points to, to keep an eye on there. Um, and also the fact that um, we don't have any OPEC meetings until the beginning of June. So this, for me, is something that might be brought forward depending on what happens to the market. Last year, it felt like there was OPEC meetings every month because it was so volatile. So for me, interesting stance from OPEC, the fact that there are no announcements of any official meetings until June this year maybe tells you they think things might be more stable or not. I don't know, but that would be my interpretation. However, I think if we start seeing extreme levels of volatility in the market, I wouldn't be surprised if the OPEC members bring forward the meetings to start to try and, you know, control the markets a little bit better. Interesting you say that about uh, stability. I totally agree, and that's what a lot of my sources have been saying. Um, I did see something uh, random, just wanted to ask if uh, what you think of it. I mean, the oil price range, as I said at the beginning, has been ranging around 77, 85 for the last 30 days. By the beginning of the month, we saw a dip and it gradually increased again just uh a week or two ago uh was there anything of note that happened that could have caused that not really i mean obviously we the market has been um very thin at the beginning of the new year so you know we haven't seen everybody uh, back in the offices yet um it hasn't really felt um until the market's fully got going until a couple of weeks um into the new year so i would just put that down to um essentially a hangover from the you know the christmas and new year period not everyone being back in the offices yet very very thin volume out there um and really it's only now that we're seeing uh, things ramp up basically to cover things prior to chinese new year which is coming in at the end of the month i do have one final bonus question for you thank you for your time okay something else that's volatile that's been happening who's going to win the premier league 
Oh my gosh, that's a, that's a very good question. Well, I mean, how can I answer that without offending somebody, right? <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, Man, Man City have been the, been the team over the last five years. Um, you know, Arsenal looking very, very strong indeed. Uh, and Man United are making a resurgence as well. So, it, you know, they've got their, 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 it looks like they've got the right manager in place now. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb. I know everyone expects Arsenal to to crumble and City to win, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say Arsenal. I'm gonna stick with Arsenal to win the league this year. And stay tuned. Thank you, Ricky. No problem at all. Now it's the Chinese New Year this weekend, and right before he joins the festive celebrations, Hao joins us again from Shanghai to join for a lighter download this week on the Ferris Market. So, how I got two questions for you. Uh, something I saw and just thought I might as well ask on here. Uh, why was there an Australian coke and coal market boom in late December? I mean, is this connected to the lift of the Chinese import ban and India import quota increase? The lift of import ban from China at this time has limited real impact because um, of steel mills rather keep inventories at low level because of stop producing steels before the Chinese New Year next week. However, in Q1 and H1, in long run, the premium market in China could become competitive, which for Australia, China is definitely a big potential buyer. China was always considering to diversify its coal product, including from Indonesia, uh, Canada, Australia, and Russia. India encouraged to import uh, more coking coals because of a shortage. Uh, India revealed um, that the government want the country to expand the steel capacity in the next decade. Um, but in short run, spike could be more related to the wet weather in Queensland, which could be postponed lakens um, from March to April, or from April to May. And for your final question, I'm gonna cheat here a bit. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ask a few questions in one. So, what could the margin be like for Chinese or Asian steel mills in the rest of Q1? Uh, and what would be the difference between Chinese New Year and uh, well before the Chinese New Year and after? And how is this going to impact raw materials? Um, in long run, yeah, uh, the steel margin. Um we saw the steel margin recovered from the low in last November significantly to um, um, in the beginning of January, as well as a physical, uh, as well as the futures margin. But um, Asian mills operate in thin margin because uh, over the previous year because of the disruption of supply chain, the high inflation, and um, in long run. Think about inflation um, going down, lower freight costs, and less tariffs and trade barriers. A big picture for meal profit could recover. That's it for the week, folks. If you want to stay up to date with everything happening in the freight and commodity space, again, I will remind you that you can sign up for our app FIS Live or follow us on Twitter at Freight Investor or find us on LinkedIn. And if you'd like to give us any feedback or suggestions, email us at news at freightinvestor.com. You've been hearing from Mopani. Have a great week.